Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher Study, the podcast that we have been engaging in for quite some time now. My name is Kevin Clark. I'm a member of the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and along with me is Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. And as you know, those of you that have been with us for a while, uh, we've been making our way through the scriptures in 15 to 20 minute increments. We hope that everybody has been benefited by this. We certainly have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed working with Bob and just the study that's engaged in. And, And really, there's a synergy. There are things that he observes that I hadn't, and maybe things I observed that he hadn't thought about. But together, we're just trying to bring out uh, not our own opinions, our own thoughts, but really what's in the text and uh, use that to edify and build up your faith. Uh, If there are those out there who are not Christians, obviously we hope that the word will affect you in a way to uh, cause you to become a convert to Jesus Christ, to obey the gospel. But for those that are already Christians, we know that our faith is enhanced and built up uh, by the hearing of God's word. And so that's what we're doing, trying to enhance our faith. Of course, as every time we want to give uh, the thanks where thanks is due, we have Jason Reed and Mark Townsend with us. There are deacons here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and they are instrumental in this podcast. We could not do what we do without all their technical expertise and experience. We thank them. We thank their families for lending them to us and uh, really appreciate you as the audience tuning in. Bob, do you have some introductory well, I, remarks? I hope that uh, those who are watching and listening, that they'll think along with us. You said a moment ago that uh, when, when we work together, maybe I have some thoughts that you hadn't mm-hmm. considered before. You certainly have thoughts that right. I haven't considered before. We put right. those together mm-hmm. and it makes a profitable time. You know, uh, you've had, had this experience as I have. Occasionally, somebody after a sermon will say, you know, you said something that made me think about exactly, this. Exactly, right. Well, I right. hadn't thought about right, that, you right. know, but yeah, yeah. they're thinking along mm-hmm. with me as I'm preaching. They're th- thinking mm-hmm. along with you as you're preaching, mm-hmm. and that stimulates thoughts in their mind, good, valid thoughts in their mind that are, are helpful. So we hope that the listeners will think along That's with right. us, and maybe we'll... Um, stimulate your thinking that you'll have some thoughts that are, are beneficial maybe that we we didn't think of. amen so amen. and invite others to to watch yes, as well yes. and so if you have friends that uh, you know maybe family members or, or others that you know that you think would enjoy it and benefit from mm-hmm. it uh, we want to reach as many as possible amen. so this is a good way to do that so invite others to watch as well amen well, we appreciate that. We have been in the book of Philemon. It's a very short book, and we're going to finish that up uh, just to kind of recap to get us back centered on the uh, context. If you remember, the real narrative that precedes the letter is this. You had Onesimus, who was a slave owned by Philemon, and Onesimus had run away from his master Philemon and somehow had made his way to the Apostle Paul, who was in prison at the time. And through the course of that association, had heard the gospel and been converted to the gospel. Paul refers to him as his son uh, in the faith. And uh, then the question becomes, what happens to Onesimus? He's run away from his master. He's now free in Christ. But what does that mean in terms of his relationship with Philemon? And for some, they may be surprised that the Apostle Paul actually sends Onesimus back to Philemon. And what we have here is Paul's uh, instructions and encouragement and admonition as to how Philemon should receive Onesimus back after he has run away. And uh, we'll just very quickly uh, go over a few things before we dive into uh, some of the remaining texts. Uh, Obviously, Philemon was a very uh, profitable and a very prolific servant of Christ. 
He's referred to by Paul and Timothy as a friend, as a fellow laborer in verse 1. Uh, he's one whose love and faith uh, towards uh, the Lord Jesus and all the saints has been known widely, has been shared. Uh, I love this one of my favorite uh, phrases about somebody in verse 7. He says, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Uh, just think how wonderful that is to have someone describe you as, you know, you refresh the hearts of the brethren. And this is how Philemon is described. And so what a wonderful description. And we want to think of ourselves that way. We want to live our lives as Christians that we refresh the hearts of our fellow brethren, whether it be in our congregation or other places, uh, that this kind of admonition or this kind of uh, great uh, commendation can be said about us. And then Paul moves into what he wants him to do about this situation. And he makes it very clear that as an apostle, he could tell Philemon what he must do, what is fitting, as mm -hmm. he says, what is appropriate, what's right. But he decides not to. He says, rather, I want to appeal to you for love's sake uh, to do what is right. In fact, later on, he goes on and says, you know, uh, I don't want you to do anything because of compulsion. Mm -hmm. I want your good deed, uh, which in this case would be the idea of allowing Onesimus mm -hmm. to come back to Paul and serve with him because Paul says, that's really what I want. I really would love right. to have Onesimus to continue to be here and work with me. But he said, that wouldn't be right because I'd be forcing you to do something good and I want it to be voluntary. And so he sends him back. But he also begins to talk about this difference. And the, the primary difference being is this man is now a Christian. Right. And because he's a Christian, he's a brother. And so, yes, it's true that he's still a slave and Philemon's still a slave owner, but that relationship has been fundamentally transformed and altered by the fact that they're now one in Christ. And so Paul is appealing to him. There are some implications for that in terms of how you receive him. In fact, he says, I want you to receive him as you would receive me. And you think about clearly there's a relationship that exists between Philemon and Paul. And, and later on, Paul's going to say, hey, prepare a guest room. I'm right. coming to spend some time. And you could just imagine if Paul were coming, how Philemon would kind of fuss and over him and take care of his needs and everything. He said, I want you to do that for Onesimus, even though he's your slave, because now he's a brother in Christ. And so it's just a really powerful admonition for how uh, Philemon should receive this runaway slave, because what's the temptation? The temptation would be, you had no right to go. I can't believe you did that. And, and you deserted me. You neglected me and be very angry. And Paul is saying, no, 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 this is a brother in Christ. And in fact, he says something that I thought you made a good point. He says, perhaps, perhaps he departed for this very reason, that he may obey the gospel and come back to you as more than just a slave, but a brother in Christ. And, and, and the point you made, I thought was very good, is even Paul, as, as much interaction as he had with God and the, the direct face-to-face -face communication with Jesus and the visions that he had, he still has a certain amount of humility about the will of God saying, maybe, perhaps. I don't know exactly what's in the mind of God, but it could have been this is exactly what God intended, uh, using another means to appeal to Philemon to do the right thing. Some thoughts along those lines? <clears throat> well, I think you're, uh, you, I just thought about while you were talking, I thought about, you know, Paul expresses his plan to come and, and stay with Philemon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, you know, it, uh, unstated, that would give Paul an opportunity maybe to talk to Onesimus <laughs> and find out how Philemon received him. And so right. there are those little subtleties right. all through this yeah, book. Yeah. But Paul's a master at that. He you is. know, he's, in a subtle sort of way, uh, he's uh, really kind of telling Philemon, well, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. This would be the appropriate way to handle this situation, right. the most beneficial. And so uh, it's interesting how in the very beginning he says, you know, I've heard about your interaction right. with the saints before, right. and you've done very well. And he's sort of just laying the, yeah. the foundation and the groundwork 
Now, here's another opportunity <laughs> for you to do well right. with a brother. Right. And so he's, uh, in a subtle sort of way, directing the, you know, the, the situation and uh, just expressing his expectations to Philemon. You're right. There are some subtle things. One of the things that I looked at I thought was interesting, if you look at verse 8, he says that uh, being such as one as Paul, the aged, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Paul, the aged, I, I gather from that that Philemon was probably a younger man. It wouldn't have made much sense to talk about his age if they were talking about they're the same age. And I think what he's saying there is, look, you know, I'm an older man, you're a younger man, and, and Paul says in other uh, parts of the Bible, Titus 2, 1 Timothy 5, that there needs to be a respect for older men, especially those who are in the faith. And so he's given some good advice. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's so dedicated. He's a prisoner for his faith. And think about if you're on the receiving end of this, it would be hard not to do the right thing. <laughs> That's right. He's making it hard on him. That's exactly him? right. So, uh, and, and I, I do want to, uh, before we uh, finish it up, talk about some of the, the specific scripture in verse 17. So let's just read this real quick. And it, it, it's more the continuation of what you were talking about, the appeals. Uh, it's, it's, it's master persuasion, really is. Yeah. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Boy, Paul's laying it on thick here, is he? Uh, he said, if you count me as a partner, well, of course he counts it. They're fellow laborers, and he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so he said, if you count me as a partner, then I want you to receive him the same way you would receive me. And again, we've talked about how strong that would be based on this pre-existing relationship. And then I like this. Paul says, hey, if he's done anything wrong, if he owes you anything by virtue of his departure or anything else, you know what? Put that on my account. And he makes a point, hey, I'm writing this with my own hand. I will repay. Uh, and, and, you know, we know that Paul had means. He was, uh, Acts 18.3, he was a tent maker, and so he had money. And so this wasn't an idle offer. He's saying, look, seriously, if there's anything that you're out, I don't want you to be out. I'm going to take care of that. Just think about how much Paul is interjecting himself into reconciling these two brethren to make sure that they have the proper relationship, mm -hmm. taking away something that Onesimus probably was not in a position to do if he had mm -hmm. done something yeah. wrong. Right. So, uh, and then as you say, he does say, I love this, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. And I take it there in some spiritual way that he's saying that there was a debt that Philemon owed to Paul. Perhaps Paul was the one who obeyed or taught him the gospel or at some period of time he sat at the feet of Paul. Generally when Paul says things like this, he's talking about a spiritual sort of obligation as opposed to physical obligation. So again, he keeps saying, you know, you owe me anyway. Uh, so you really ought to do what's right, but I'm not going to force you. And then he says, brother, let me have joy from you. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Remember we talked about Paul opened up saying that he had refreshed the heart of the saints. Mm -hmm. Well, now he's saying, I want you to refresh my heart right. by doing what is right in terms of how you receive Onesimus back to you. Right. One of the more, more powerful lessons that I draw from Philemon is, is this. You know, we, we need to see each other as Christians mm -hmm. first. Yeah. Uh, and so here's, here's a man who's a slave, but... Paul tells Philemon, now he's become a brother, and you need to see him as a brother That's right. before you think about him as a slave. That's right. And so we need to see each other as Christians first. And so uh, we might have a tendency to identify mm -hmm, people by mm -hmm. one thing or another, mm -hmm. 
uh, by occupation or right. by, by race or right. by gender. Right. But really, we need to see each other as Christians first. first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And primarily, if not exclusively, That's you know. Right. Uh, um, but at any rate, before any other factor uh, comes in, to our thinking, we need to th- see each other as, as brethren. You know, and that has equal applicability today. Like you said, sometimes, well, James even talks about that, that you could have somebody come into your assembly who's wealthy and well-to-do, and you have a tendency to cater to them and fuss with yeah. them about what's going on. And then here comes this poor person, and you just ignore them altogether. And uh, we're not to do that because that poor brother is no less important or that right. poor visitor than, than the rich brother. Why? Because in Christ, they're equal. It, those things don't matter. That's right. Uh, and so we do have to be careful we don't fall prey into the titles that the world puts and you know the ranking that the world puts on people. The only ranking in Christ is we're one in Christ. That's it. I mean, obviously we have elders and deacons in those positions and we have authority within the family. But when it comes to just pure Christianity, we're all the same. And this is certainly an example of that. Um, I, I do love that he says that I have confidence that not only you're going to do what I say, you're going to go even further than that. And it just really piling on. I mean, just as we said before, it'd be very difficult to be mm-hmm. Philemon and not do what is the right thing. And then we end up the, the book, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And of course, these same names come up at the end of Colossians. And, uh, you know, one thing you think about is, how did this all turn out? And, and did, uh, did, did Philemon receive him as he should? Did Philemon let him go back uh, to Paul? And I think there, there might be a hint of that in Colossians chapter 4, uh, where Paul says this, uh, Tychicus, a beloved brother, verse 7, faithful minister and fellow servant, the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Now, this suggests that there was a second opportunity for Onesimus to go back and be with Paul and then come back with Tychicus and tell the brethren at Colossae what was going on. Because we know this has to happen after Philemon because Philemon is recording the first visit back after he's obeyed the gospel. So there does seem to be some suggestion that uh, maybe Philemon did exactly what he was supposed to do. Now, we're running out of time. One of the things I want to talk about, because when you read this, it, it, it can be very controversial. <laughs> Uh, because people will think, well, Paul did the wrong thing. Paul, Paul should not have sent him back to his owner. Is Paul endorsing slavery? And one of the problems we have is when we in America think about slavery, we automatically think about American slavery. And I want to suggest that that is not what is under consideration here at all. Uh, in fact, we've made this point before. Roman slavery was much different. It wasn't based on uh, race. It wasn't, as historians call American slavery, the peculiar institution. Uh, we talked about the fact that even Felix, who was a governor before whom Paul appealed or appeared, uh, was a slave himself at one point in time. So here's a man that was in slavery, was able to rise to the level of governor. Obviously, nothing of that nature took place in American slavery. The other couple of points I would make is this. One of my favorite passages on this point is that 1 Timothy 1, uh, 8 through 10. 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Just turn there very briefly. First Timothy, the first chapter, verses 8 through 10. Uh, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly, for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murders of fathers, murders of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Now, one thing we can say in those verses 8 through 10 
Anything listed there is contrary to sound doctrine. It is something that God disapproves. It's something that God doesn't like. It's something that is sinful. So I remember years ago, I became interested in this idea of this phrase, kidnappers. And when I thought of kidnappers, I thought of carjackings or some kid being kidnapped. But, you know, I started looking this up, and I just want to give you a flavor of some of the study that I did on it. Uh, the King James Version on that same phrase says men stealers. Uh, the NIV says slave traders, the New Living Translation, slave traders, the New American Standard Version, kidnappers, strongs, and enslaver as bringing men to his feet. Ralph Earle's word meetings in the New Testament, men stealers refers to slave traders or kidnappers. Johnson's notes on the New Testament, those who stole men and sold them into slavery. So I think it's pretty clear that term kidnapping is talking about the slave trade. So before, you know, a lot of people love to attack the Bible. This is the book that justified slavery. No, it didn't, because right here, the slave trade is condemned as contrary to sound doctrine. Now, how did the peculiar institution get started? We know that, the transatlantic slave trade. And Paul says, that's wrong. Now, somebody will say, well, you know, there, there were people who were African who were involved in that, as if somehow I'm going to say, oh, somebody who looks like me was involved, it's fine. No, everybody involved in something that's contrary to sound doctrine is wrong. And so that would never have been started had everybody adhered to what the Bible says. But more than that, it's interesting to look. Think about this. We said that most likely Philemon and Onesimus were in the church at Colossae. And I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 3 and listen to some of the instructions from Paul to the brethren about slavery. Beginning with Colossians 3.22, Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as the Lord, not to men, knowing that the Lord will, you, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done, and there's no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So here is Paul teaching at Colossae, no less, where Onesimus and Philemon would have been saying, you know what? Both of you have God-given responsibilities. You, Onesimus, as a slave, you have responsibilities. You work not just as unto that master, but as unto the Lord. And he says, he turns around to Philemon and says, you know what? You better be careful how you exercise your authority as a master because you have a master in heaven and you're accountable to that master. And so the point we make is, and we don't have time to get into all of this, but there's so much biblical teaching about how people are to conduct themselves within that relationship what it would change it into is something more akin to the employer-employee relationship that we're familiar with in our society. The Bible never says that it's wrong to have a disparity in power, that some people have more power than others. The question is, how does each person along that power continuum conduct themselves? And each one can do so in a godly way, but they've got to do so with God's responsibilities in heart, first in their mind. Well, I was thinking about the book of Amos as you were, mm -hmm. as you were talking and about the First Timothy passage, yeah. especially in the kidnappers. Well, in Amos, uh, in the opening couple of chapters, he talks about the nations surrounding Israel, uh, eventually focuses on Israel and Judah. But he says, for example, in verse 6, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. They deported an entire population to mm, deliver it to Edom. So go. what they've done is there they've gone go. yeah. in, into another country, right. taken the, the, the population by force, yeah and delivered them over, sold them into slavery. And that God's judgment is going to come yeah. upon them for that. Great point. And that's that's Great kind point. of the idea that yeah. we had in, yeah. in America. You know, you that's have people right. taken by force right. out of their home mm -hmm. and taken somewhere else and 
and forced, slavery was forced upon them. That's right. And that has never been. That, that right. situation has never Good been point. pleasing to God. Excellent point. In the Old Testament, an Israelite could might become indebted That's right. and yeah. sell himself. Mm-hmm. But even under those circumstances, yeah. he was to be set free That's right. the year in the year yeah. of Jubilee. That's right. And even before then, if he accumulated enough money, he could buy his yeah. freedom or a relative could buy his freedom. That's right. And they were not to be mistreated. If they suffered an injury, they were to be set free. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of uh, regulations uh, that were uh, in the law yeah. given to protect that's the slave. Right. That's a great point. And so it was not uh, it was not what we're accustomed to uh, in our history. Absolutely. The, the gospel so changed the treatment of mm-hmm. slaves mm-hmm. that it practically, mm-hmm. in practical terms, it yeah. uh, obliterated it. Absolutely. And so if, if Christians were doing toward their slaves what the, the Bible teaches them to do, right. to be just uh-huh. and fair, That's right. and things like that, well, it would have, uh, in practical terms, changed it completely, changed Absolutely. the nature of it completely. One of the things I think about, I know we need to bring it to a close, but uh, you know, the Bible teaches that all men are made in God's image. And so that by that very teaching, men are not to be used as things to be right. sold. And yes, we can give our services, and we're, but we're not property. We're made in the image of God, and that carries with all kinds of implications in terms of how we treat one another. So uh, hopefully you've gotten something out of this study. Uh, There's a lot there, um, a lot of information. I think the most important thing is that every one of us, whatever status in life we find ourselves in, we have obligations to God to perform those duties in a way that's consistent with His will. And wherever you're at, if you're a businessman, if you're an employee, if you're in a union, if you're a teacher, whatever it is, You must conduct yourself in a way consistent with God's principles. If you find that you can't, then might I suggest you find another job. But we just got to make sure that we do it right according to God's eyes. Well, we always want to end with a a word of prayer. So, Brother Bob, would you lead us? Let's, Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the opportunity to look into your word. We pray that you'll open our eyes as we do that, that we might see the wonderful things that are in in your word. We Father, are thankful for the opportunity to study this particular book, the small book of Philemon. Father, we pray that we'll uh, look at it, look at it seriously, and allow it to sink into our hearts and have an impact on our lives. Help us learn how to treat each other, Father, as we study this book. Help us to see our brethren primarily and foremost as that, as brethren, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we pray that will allow the gospel to change us uh, and change our character so that we'll become the kind of people that you would have us to be. We see from a study of the Bible how Saul of Tarsus was changed by your gospel. We see how Onesimus was changed by the gospel, useless before he became a Christian, but very useful as a Christian. And Paul calls upon Philemon to be affected by the gospel as he interacted with his slave Onesimus. Help us, Father, to learn how to interact with one another uh, through a study of this book and through your word in general, that we might treat each other with respect and dignity as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we might edify each other and build each other up so that we might work together in getting each other and then others as well to heaven when this life is over. We're thankful for the grace that you've extended to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen.